0: Welcome to the Shared Tzedek Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Here you'll find a live recording of just about every sermon, Devar to Torah, teaching, or story from our Arab Shabbat and High Holy Day services. We know that you wish you could be with us more often, and we understand life getting in the way is not a bad thing. To live Jewishly is to understand that just as important as it is that Judaism happens in the synagogue, it's even more important to live Jewishly in your home and on your way. So here we are, in your home, on your way, maybe even on your morning run! If you ever have any questions or want to continue the discussion, let one of us know, and make sure you check out our live stream and YouTube channel for more ways that Sharit Sedeq is available to you on demand. Keep an eye on your shofar and email so that when you're able you can be with us as well looking forward to seeing you soon well i know we've talked a couple times tonight about the silence between the notes but those were some very beautiful notes themselves thank you for that very very special moment so at this point most of you know me fairly well i know we have some new friends tonight who are uh, just getting to know us. But for those who know me, I don't think you'll be surprised to learn that I am not a yeller. It's not natural for me to raise my voice, and if I do, you know that something is really wrong, and even when something is really wrong, I usually don't. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't let my children know when I don't like the choices that they're making. Eva says that when I get upset about something or when when I, I see them doing something they shouldn't do, I, quote, talk serious. And I will always remember those sweet tears the first time she said those words. Daddy, I know you're not yelling, but you're talking serious. And that makes me sad. Those who know me also know that I don't talk serious very often. Now, even that that talking serious is something I try not to do with my kids when not necessary. After all, it can lose its effect and the kids would learn to ignore it. But when I do talk serious or raise my voice, the goal is that Eva and Judd will learn that what they're doing is dangerous or not acceptable for some other reason, and they'll learn not to repeat it. And I shared with Eva that first time, and I've told them both other times as well, I don't want to have to talk serious and hopefully you all will make better choices moving forward so that I don't have to. Whether it's climbing on furniture, trying to dunk the other in the pool, hitting or biting, we've been very lucky that these fairly normal occurrences in kids have not been repeated by ours. Even at their young age, They know that when we talk serious, we are, in fact, serious. Now, I know, especially recently, I start a lot of sermons with parenting stories, and I hope you'll indulge me. It is where I am right now, and seeing as back in 2008, if I remember correctly, I had a run of three kickball sermons in a row, I don't feel too badly about going there. Now... I often tell wedding couples that there are not many positive examples of human relationships in the Torah. This is true of marriage. It's also true of parenting. Abraham almost sacrificing Isaac after more or less deserting his first son, Ishmael. Isaac favoring Esau over Jacob with his wife, Rebekah, favoring Jacob over Esau, causing estrangement between the two, and worse, and then Jacob not having learned the lesson and doing the same toward Joseph over his brothers. Now these stories, when we read them in the Torah, are often a bit shallow in that we don't see much conversation nor are we fully let into the nuance of the adversity being faced in each case. But while none of the individual stories are fully developed, the story of the relationship between God and the people over the course of our biblical text, is both complex and beautiful. And in looking at the Brit, the covenantal relationship between God and the Israelites, we can find a model from which we can learn so much. Now, to think about this as a parent and a child, it's still far from a perfect relationship, as you'll see. But those imperfections make it relatable to us as well. In this week's Torah portion, Acharei Mot, after a brief tangent last week, we're brought back to the story about which we read two weeks ago. And it's not a story we love to hear. Nadav and Avihu are two priests, the sons of Aaron. And immediately after being given the rules for the way in which sacrifices were to be offered and joining with their father in that first official offering in the newly built tabernacle, right after getting the rules, they offered an improvised sacrifice that didn't follow those rules. And at that moment, we read, a fire came forth from Adonai and consumed them. They were no more. Now, in that week's Torah study conversation, we looked at the many rabbinic defenses for the punishment of death with Midrashim that further intensified the offense of the young priests. This shows that the rabbis have the same discomfort in reading the story that we do. But to fully understand the punishment, we have to turn to this week's parsha. Now again, we know that time has passed since this story, but the beginning of this week's double Torah portion, and I'll talk more about that later, begins with a reminder of that moment. We read, Adonai spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, who died when they drew too close to the presence of Adonai. Adonai said to Moses, tell your brother Aaron that he is not to come at will into the shrine behind the curtain, in front of the cover that is upon the ark, lest he die. For I, God, appear in the cloud over the cover." Now, I know that sounds a little Wizard of Ozzy with the whole don't look at what's behind the curtain. But what follows are the rules for the Yom Kippur offering. And as we're receiving instructions for this most holy of sacrifices, followed by a reminder that no sacrifice should be offered outside of the temple by anyone other than the priests, that all sacrifices have to follow those rules that were given two weeks ago. It's understandable that God would give a reminder of what happened when a similar rule was broken. The punishment, after all, had no value unless a lesson was learned from it. Here, God, the parent, is saying, I don't like using my serious voice. Don't make me do it again. Learn from your mistake." learn from the consequences that came from that mistake, and don't make that mistake again. Especially if we do not believe in divine fire, as I don't. Now, Nadav and Avihu is a story that teaches the importance not only of making good choices, as my kids would say, but also learning from our mistakes, moving forward from them, growing as a result of them, and most importantly, ensuring that we don't repeat them. Remember, the laws that follow are those for the first Yom Kippur, and this process is teshuvah, repentance, learning from our mistakes, not repeating them. And this practice of teshuvah is not a a one-day-a-year thing. Our work on Yom Kippur is that much more fulfilling if we've been doing that work throughout the entire year. So now we see the parental relationship between God and the people as one of love, one of empathy. But that doesn't mean that there are no expectations or there isn't accountability. I hope that my children will grow to see me as a parent who has expectations of them in order to teach them accountability, but also as a parent who approaches them with love and understanding. So to learn lessons of parenthood from this relationship between God and our ancestors is valuable. But it perhaps is more valuable if we see ourselves as part of that ongoing story. I believe that we in today's world are God's grown children. The hope would be that as adults, we understand the concept of consequences to our actions. Our question is whether or not we will learn from them. Or if we'll make the same mistakes again and again. Without the day to day interactions with our parent, it's that much more essential that we've learned from them, that their voice is always present with us, and that we live by the values we learned from them. I truly believe that we know in our hearts what God wants of us, and even without the threat of divine punishment, we can act accordingly knowing that what we do matters beyond each of our own lives. This is true for each of us. It's true for our society. And if you're hearing current events in this message, good. Punishments only matter when they lead to change. Consequences are only valuable when we do everything that is in our power to avoid the negative one. And this is where that double Torah portion becomes important. Because after this section of Torah in which we are still, for all intents and purposes, talking to the priests about sacrifices, now we change course. The Torah portion is acharei mot kedoshim. Kedoshim meaning holiness. And we read at the beginning of the second half of our Torah portion, God spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the whole Israelite community and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, Adonai, your God, am holy. The commentators point out that usually, as we saw earlier, God speaks to Moses, who speaks to Aaron, who speaks to the elders, and the message is transmitted over time before reaching the people. But here, very intentionally, a message is meant to be given not to the leadership. Not just to those in power, but to the entire people at once. And the rules that follow vary, but most are just common decency. Some are a repetition of the Ten Commandments, honor your parents, don't steal. But then they go further, give of what you have to the poor in a way that maintains their dignity. Judge others fairly, not based on what they have or don't have but on what's truly right or wrong. Love your neighbor as yourself. See yourself in your neighbor and have compassion, have empathy for their situation. We know all too well what happens when we don't follow these rules. We know the consequences. It shouldn't take yelling and it shouldn't take the death of innocent people. A little serious talk should be enough for us as individuals and as a society to start trying to be a little bit more holy. So on this Shabbat, may we all look back at our week, at our month, at our year, at our lives. May we look as individuals, as families, as communities, as humanity, May we think about the rules of holiness that we've been given, and may we gain understanding of that greater good. May we learn from the mistakes of our past and strive to do better in the future. May we be holy for God is holy. For our loving parent who has given us all of the opportunities in the world expects that we will take those opportunities and use them for good. And in so doing, may we continue to grow, continue to mature, and continue to do all that is in our power to create a world of peace, of love, of holiness for the generations to come. As we say together,